because I remember when it came down the wire, um, I think, I'm not sure whether it was yourself or Matt, but I remember I remember it was either one of you guys that sort of hit me up and said, hey, just letting you know. Mm. And I, th I think it might have been you, actually, and you texted me and you said, hey, I've just found this out, Pete's gone. And I went, what? And you said, yeah, he passed away yesterday. And I, I think I wrote back to you, like, what the fuck? Like, are you... And I thought it was, I don't know, like, I didn't know what to think. I didn't, obviously didn't think it was a joke, because no one would joke about that. But yeah. I just thought, what is happening? And then that's when I immediately rang Cobra, who was the boss of Venom Pro Wrestling, and I said, dude, and I was just on the cusp of, of booking for those shows at that time. Mm. And we were leading into creative, like, we're doing consistent month-to-month storylines. And I rang him as soon as, I think, either that afternoon or maybe the next day and i said he goes hey man what's up and i said dude i said i don't know if you've heard this has just happened we are paying tribute at the start of the show mm. and he straight away he went okay and i went it's not kayfabe it's definitely not a fucking angle i said i want to get all the guys out there i said i'll do up the you know the graphic on the screen mm. i said i don't want the show to start because i don't want it to be a part of the show because mm. i felt like that would be intrusive and disrespectful so we had the graphic come on. We had the whole roster come out. We had the guys that started in IPW that weren't there at the time. They were in the ring. Mm. So the guys of like Peter O, Lynx, Renegade, myself, mm. Tim, Cade, um, Sebastian Matters, things like that. The guys that had started that had left for one reason or another. We all stood in the ring. I said some words. Lynx Lewis said some words. Mm. We bowed our heads for a 10 bell. And it wasn't until the end of the show when I'm sort of doing the rounds and taking photos with fans, selling some merch, whatever, that Sweet Ass and JC Ace had come up. And they were like, yeah, man, we've been here. We thought we'd just come down on a whim. And uh, we're really glad you did that. Now, I had no idea that they were going to be there. Mm. But I knew that given everything that Hawk had done for me, mm. the way that things had went down, I didn't hold any grudges. But I knew that if it wasn't for him... Without question, if it wasn't for him making that leap, making that jump in 1998, 1999, whatever it was, and going, hey, I'm going to start wrestling up here. At the grand uh, tip of the iceberg, man, we wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this. No. And a lot of us wouldn't have had the careers we had. So I knew straight away, I was like, at that point, I wasn't allowed to come home just yet. Everything was still a bit fresh, a bit raw. But I was like, hey, this has to be done. No questions asked. It just yeah. has to be done. Yeah. And Cobra was great. He was like, yep, let's do it. No questions. He's like, what? What? You know, he was shocked as well, but yeah. we're doing it. And it was done. And then we did with respects. Similar vibe, probably not to the same extent as IPW, naturally, because that is home. Yeah. That's where it all began. Yeah. But we felt a similar resurgence down there at, at Venom at that time. The locker room, especially not so much the guys that came after Hawk or didn't know him. Yeah. But very much so the guys that had started with Hawk and IPW, yeah. we kind of created a little huddle in the locker room. We, we grabbed some chairs, we put our gear together, we sat down. And um, I just remember all of us just sort of sitting there quietly and just, you know, periodically looking up at each other and sort of just literally, literally not knowing what to say. But we were all thinking it like, mm. What? Yeah. It wasn't what the fuck. It wasn't what the hell. It was just what. what? Like, yeah. 
clock, like, what, what, like, and we all just sort of looked around and there was something there. It kind of felt like this, this aura or this energy struck all the guys that had come through and we went, without looking at each other, we grabbed some black tape, we put it on our arms and we're like, for Hawk. And we just went out there and... Um, like I said, I'm sure the, the guys outside of the original field, I can totally get it. Like, a lot of the guys, arguably a lot of the guys on that show, even not knowing him, did it out of respect. They went, hey, give me the black tape. Pretty much the whole roster did it, which was insane. Even guys from interstate were like, dude, I'll do it. Mm. But it specifically hit home for the guys that had come through there, and we just felt that presence. And it was like he was at that show and I could, and I remember coming up to the match, and it was so strange because quite literally nine years earlier at that Wild and Reckless Junkyard Bash show, where I dropped the cruiserweight belt, which I think was in the Slam Nation belt, to Sebastian Matters, mm. and I had taken two weeks off because my muscles and everything was just flaring up, and I had to sort of recover for a bit. Nine years later, I'm there at Venom, I'm there in January, and who the fuck am I fighting? I'm fighting Seb Matters, and I looked at him and I went. He fucking planned this. And he's like, yeah, he did. And I was like, he knows he knows this is going to happen. And he's like, yeah, he did. And we went out, did that match, and it just felt like, it just felt natural. It just mm. felt right, and it felt like, I don't know how Seb felt, but I felt being put with him on that show, even though, like, a month earlier, like, I was writing those angles. I was writing, like, hey, I'll finish this storyline. Seb comes out. We set up for January. Mm. It just felt like, this even if we weren't in this angle it was the case of hey we need to do this yeah. and for a long time I, I remember it being wrestling just wasn't the same up here for the guys that started with him mm. how long was it for you where sort of like things will never go back to normal but things sort of felt like the gears weren't running as best they could but it definitely felt like it was a it was an oiled machine, but it wasn't a well-oiled machine, if you get my drift. Um, I took... Were you were you still out at this point? Like, you had come um, down I, the sporadic... I, I'd taken... I, I, I'd retired at that point. We are still training people, and then when the news about Pete came across, I ended up just disappearing. Didn't train people, didn't do nothing until, I think it was April... Right, so you're talking about th four, three or four months. Like I went down to port. I yep. just I didn't, didn't, didn't go to train. I didn't train people. I didn't do nothing because, nah, I said the, the guy that I started everything with, mm. gone. Yeah. And, and it sounds really weird. The only guy that I had that was, look, my parents don't like the fact that wrestle. Yep. The rest of my family I don't like the fact that I wrestle. They mm. think it's stupid. They think it's dangerous. He never did. Never forced me to. No, you got to wrestle. You got to do this. You got to do that. He always left it up to you. Mm. But he would support you if you no, you needed it. Yeah. And he no, he he would always he encourage you, but he wouldn't say you got to do this. You have to. Yeah. You never force it on you. He never forced you to do anything. Well, he never forced me to do anything. Yep. But he. Give you support and give you encouragement when when you and he seemed to know when you needed it when you didn't need it. No, he, as I said, he never blew smoke up your ass. Sure. If it sucked, it sucked. Yeah. No. Yeah. What's the thing? Don't be shit. Yeah. That was uh, go out there have a good match. Don't be shit. Yep. Yeah. Um, he used to do that. And I said, as far as I know, 
and in my mind, he's the only person that actually gave me any encouragement to wrestle. Mm. Everybody else that was outs everybody who's outside wrestling, you should stop this. This is dangerous. It's a silly sport. You'll get hurt. No. What are you doing this for? I'm doing it for me. Mm. I like doing it. It's fun. Yep. No, I, the idea of even if the match only goes for five minutes, it's five minutes you go out there and you're a fucking superhero mm-hmm. or a supervillain. Yeah. You're a comic book character. You go out there, you know, I rule the universe while I'm here and I'm done. Yeah. And that's sort of one of the things that sort of Pete tried to put into you that sort of, when you're out there, you're the center of the universe. Yeah. Everything you do, people are watching. They're watching you do what you do in there. Mm. No, doesn't matter what you do in your normal life. Out there, you've got people just staring at you, wanting you to do something. Yep. And so you go out there and you go out there and you're trying to amaze people and trying to make them go, "Ooh, mm-hmm. that's uh, that's good." And I like that. And having doing that's all fun. But at the same point, it's also changed. Yeah. Like, I still wrestle with the idea. I can. I can still call a match on the fly. As I go, I can come up with what I need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, now, the younger generation, the guys that come through now, <laughs> this is my age showing everybody. <laughs> All you young people now need a fucking script with everything written down. From yeah. the moment the music hits to the moment <laughs> the fucking bell rings at the end of the match, you need every single step written out in triplicate to make sure you know what you're doing. If you can't call a match on the fly, you shouldn't be in the fucking ring. Right. Mind you the fact of if you're an opponent, you've got a match worked out. Everything. Every single move, every single step worked out. What if your opponent gets hurt? Mm. I, I, there was footage I saw on YouTube a couple of years ago, and it was a three-way dance. Okay. Three guys in the States. One guy took a bad bump in the beginning, the first little sort of opening part of the match. Mm. He took a bad bump. He ended up unconscious. And when they finally, when he started coming to, he was concussed. He couldn't even walk. They kept trying to do all the spots with him included in. Mm. And you could see the guy couldn't fucking even move to the ropes. Right. But they kept trying to do the match, kept trying to do the match, kept trying to do all the spots, and stupid concussed boy kept trying to do everything. Mm. And he ended up getting hurt. Right. At those points like that, you need to be able to call shit on the fly. Sure, yeah. And that's one of the things that Pete taught me. Mm. He taught me a lot of other things, a lot of nasty stuff to do with people on the ring if they give you the shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, the thing of being able to call in the flight, like, I'm not going to say, oh, this wrestler, that wrestler, this person, that person. Sure, that's yeah, yeah. That's the stuff. But if I'm sure, but if you can't call on the, if you can't call on the fly because you do need to occasionally. Yeah. That shit can happen. Someone can get, I was like, my knee blew out. Mm. Now, what if that had happened early on in the match? Yeah. What do you do then? Now, yourself, when you had, uh, Rembrandt and you hurt your neck yeah 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 the rest of that match would have had to have been called pretty much on the fly to end it quick because you were hurt yeah yeah it was my uh, yeah no. the... what if what if Rembrandt 
didn't have that thinking in his head and went, I've got to still go through all the other sequences. And you can't stand properly, you can't walk properly, you can't see properly. Mm. But he keeps trying to do every all these weird, intricate spots. Mm. That's when he ended up getting hurt worse. The art of calling on, on the fly is lost. Yep. Everybody refers too much to the piece of paper with 4,000 moves written on it. Mm. And that's the matches that the spot monkeys do. Yeah. And I, uh, it was a, it was in a podcast with Piper. Okay. And Austin Aries. And he made the reference to referring to spots and things like that as carrots. Mm -hmm. And he goes, every show, every match has spots. But he goes, nowadays things are getting worse. And the more spots and more spots. So he said, the first match, you got 10 pounds of carrots to eat. Second match, they give you 20 pounds of carrots to eat. Mm. And so on and so on and so on and so on. When you get to the main event, why doesn't anybody want to eat any carrots? Yep. Because they've just had their full. Mm. Every single match has had 4,000 spots in it. Yep. And the thing is, the matches that have all those spots in it, all these big moves, all this, people don't remember them. Sure, yeah. You probably know yourself that they know you see this. Now, nah, there's a lot of moves in the match. Can you name four of them? No. Nah. Mm, mm. I remember how it finished. That's it. Yeah. And I, oh, what about the move where the guy ran off the ropes and he, then he uh, did a springboard and a double backflip and he hooked the guy and reversed it? Oh, no, I don't remember seeing that. Yeah. All that sort of shit goes on. You don't remember it, but no. Nah, the match beforehand that had no nah, two major spots in it, you remember both of them. Mm. You didn't remember that. 80,000 spots in the match afterwards, but you remember the, the three big spots in the first and the match beforehand? Mm. Calling on the flies a dead art. Yep. And unfortunately, it's not going to come back. And mm. unfortunately, guys you know, that have been around 20 years like me, we're disappearing. Mm. And no matter how hard we try to push that into them, into the, the next generation, they don't care because they're all, I watch this on YouTube. I don't yeah, do this. Yeah. Oh, I watch all this indie stuff. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, that's great. How many how many super kicks were in that match? Oh, 17. Yeah. Wow. How many? Oh, there's 20 in this one. And the other thing that shits me off is the slapping. Yeah. Everything. Slap. Yep. Kick. Slap. Punch. Slap. Clothesline. Slap. Slap, slap, slap. I've watched a match where a guy was giving chops to another person mm -hmm. and slapping his own fucking thigh as he was doing it to make noise. Mm. Okay. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm not naming names, I'm not naming feds, but you're already slapping someone. Why slap yourself? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That doesn't... And shit like that irritates me. But what wasn't irritating was the fact that after... You took some time off. Yes. You did finally. I came back. Came back. And you're still, well, even though the world situation is what it is right now, you're still technically active in the Home Federation right yeah. now. I've, yeah. I've done the, I did the Honor the Hawk show. Yeah. The Christmas Rumble. Yeah. And then I had the match against the non-stipulated, no, non-sanctioned match against CJ. Yeah. Yeah. I had fun. Yeah. I like that match. And then I had the match against Chad Atlas. Yes. 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 Yeah, you're, also, you're, you're a young man, Chad Atlas. Yes. Where I slapped him silly. 
Yes, thank you for that. <laughs> I really appreciate you slapping my protege. That You're was, welcome. Thank you so much. I'll gladly do it again. Man, speaking of gladly do it again, we've been speaking for X amount of time now. But, wow, shit. But, man, i got to say, given our careers, given the fact that you're my original trainer. Mm. Um, everything that I went through on a professional level, with you, without you, man, bringing me back home, hell. I know I'd gladly do it again, for sure. Yeah. But as we wrap up this podcast, man, we've been through the history of Ash. We've learned how he was created. We've learned like what you went through, and we've learned now where you are now. Mm. But I'm going to do a segment now called The Deep Dive, and this is where I ask you some questions that only you can give your unique spin on. So, Ash, are you ready for these unique deep dive questions? Not really, but go ahead. (laughs) I wish I had another drink. (laughs) (laughs) What would you tell yourself now if you were just starting out? Protect your knees more. (laughs) Definitely. Okay. Make sure your boots are tied up. Yeah, yeah. Don't take so many silly bumps when you start. Right. No cargo nets? No, uh, yeah. no cargo nets are fine because I didn't cop the, the bad part of that. Right. More of just, yeah, make sure you always wear knee pads. You, they're they're going to give out on you real quick. Right. Now, you may have answered that already with this next question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What was the turning point in your life, and how did it affect you, and how did you overcome it? My turning point in wrestling life? either wrestling or personal life, something where you went, hey, this is like a make or break situation. I've got to go through it. How did it affect you coming out of it? Oddly enough, it was actually the f- when I hurt my head, the injury to my eye. The eye, yeah. It wasn't due to wrestling or anything like that because when that occurred, I couldn't... One of the main things was after it healed up was I got told you're not allowed to strain yourself. You're not allowed to force or push or... Anything of any real exertion, because yeah. you run the risk of actually bursting your eyeball. Jesus. Okay. So yeah. It was that point. Oh, I've got to think about what I can do here, and like it sounds really weird. I couldn't even pick up my kid, my daughter. Oh really? Yeah, because she was too heavy to pick up. That would cause strain. And at that point, I think she was only three or four years old. Right. And I, I, I couldn't. Was told by the doctor not to pick her up and like give her a cup. Just because of the eye. Because of my eye. Because wow. that, that would cause... It sounds weird, but when you strain to do anything, you actually put force on the vessels in your eye and it can cause poppage, apparently. Any exertion. Man, that, so, that's, <laughs> so that's the advice you had from the doctor regarding your injury, but mm. what is the best advice that you have ever received? Now, it could be the, either be in your real life or it can be in pro wrestling. Best advice I've ever received. Yeah, something that you're like, yeah, I'm really going to take that to home. I'm going to use that. Oh, Christ. No, I think. I'm like... It's easy. Be true to yourself. Yeah? Because no one else will be. How would you define success? To be happy with what you've got and content. Right. You don't... You can't manage... Well, you can't really say, oh, i got a shitload of money because you'll be as miserable as hell. Yeah. Although money does buy a better class of unhappiness mm. you can't just be happy with what you've got because you ain't going to get given anything else right yeah no I completely agree alright this is the part of the podcast now which I like to call the Lipton 6 
This is in tribute of James Lipton. He was an American writer, lyricist, actor, and the dean of the Actors Studio Drama School at Pace University in New York City, where he hosted and ran his TV show Inside the Actors Studio from 1994 to 2018. So in honor and tribute of him, I'm going to ask you his famous six questions that he would ask all his guests before wrapping up his interview. So you ready for the Lipton Six? Yeah. Ash, what is your favorite word? Hmm. <laughs> No, I'm not saying that one. <laughs> no, my favourite word. There is a question later on. Where no, it's, okay, where... I'm just trying to think. What's my favourite word? Mm. There is one later on where I say, what's your favourite curse word? So... Yeah, I know, I know about the curse word. No, I'm just trying to think what's my favourite. I don't have a lot of favourite words in that curse words. I'd love to swear. <laughs> yeah, hard it is for me not to say F. Drop F for C's and things like that doing this. Um... What's my favourite words? Uh, okay. Uh, friendship. There you go. Camaraderie. What turns you on? Now, it could be in the way that you're thinking of, or it could be in the way that, you know, you're excited about something, you enjoy something, like, hey, I like that, I like that book. I like... played the fifth. <laughs> okay. <laughs> he doesn't want to answer that I one. I played the fifth. All right, all right, all right. What sound or noise do you love? What sound or... Noise. Noise do I love? Yeah. The ringing of the bell. Yeah. Yeah. What is your favourite curse word? <laughs> okay. I'm not going to say that. And my favourite curse word that I really like, I don't actually say because... I, well, my favourite word's a C word, but I don't like saying yeah. that word. No, nope, we know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Country. So, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? An entrepreneur. Yeah? No, yes. Any, any specific... <laughs> a, a, a successful one. <laughs> <laughs> so a happy one? A happy, successful, rich entrepreneur uh, phoning this in from a private island. Right. Would be good. Live via satellite. No, you don't get live via satellite. You get a delay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ash, last of the Lipton Six, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Not really just in any way, shape, or form. But yeah. if it does exist and I end up there and go to the pearly gates, I'd like to say, Hawk said you were coming. Yeah. Yeah. You got a match in five. Yeah. <laughs> you got to expect that too. Oh, yeah. And you're a match in five. Bursting Hawk. Oh no. Yeah. Just hands <laughs> you your hurt. Just, just hands you your gear bag, you're late. <laughs> um, alright, this is the second little podcast. Before we hit the nitrous into overdrive, before we slam on that petrol button, Vin Diesel style, and we drive our way to that finish line, right off into the sunset. I'm gonna hit you with what I call the final four. These are the last four questions of the podcast before we wrap it up. So you ready for these final four? Am I allowed to answer with the same word for every single one? You can you can't use the C okay, word. Cool. Okay, cool. Oh, <laughs> there goes everything. Yeah. I've had uh, a burger. <laughs> Ash, was there ever a, a point that you thought, hey, this isn't gonna work. I'm I'm not I'm not sure about this. This might not be for me. Yes. Yeah. Was that in the wrestling Second match after being Pepe the Clown. Really? You yeah. were just like, I don't uh, know if I want to... This sucks, I hate this. 
From a character aspect from, or from, from a... From, from the character perspective, yeah. Okay. I, I really hate as a clown. Right. That's not me. I'm not a happy, jovial person. Unless I'm drunk. Yeah. Now, have you ever stopped and taken a moment and thought, even, even times when you're in the ring, or maybe even in your personal life, have you ever stopped and thought, man, how the hell did I get here? If you don't think that occasionally, you're a bit stupid. Right. But... It's, you got to, I'd say, when, when I, the equivalent, the first time I actually thought, what the hell's going on, was one of the shows we did at Trocadero in Brisbane. Okay. I was using a local band called King Mungi as my entrance music. Right. I've done the show, after the show I went to the, because it was, it was held in a nightclub slash bar. Yeah. Got changed in my civvies. I still had my face paint on because I couldn't be bothered taking it off. I've gone back to get a drink, and as I'm buying a drink, going to buy myself a drink. This person goes, no, man, it's on me. And I sort of looked and I said, who the hell are you? And he goes, Ricky Mungy. And it was the bands that I'm using as the music. Oh, wow. There in the night. You use that music. That was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah, no worries, man. And the thing is, I'd actually gotten them to sign off on me being able to use their music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, wow, this is... This is a trick because I actually never thought I'd ever actually sort of... Because they lived next door to a, a guy I knew. Yeah. And he's the one that basically suggested, try this song. And it was a good song. Mm -hmm. It was Something Nothing by King Mummy. Yep. Um, yeah, and he, he's the one that actually gave all the paperwork to get signed permission. And then three months later, I'm in a, in a nightclub, do a show, and the band that I use, their song, yep. were in the crowd. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that is that, was, that sort of like that, that is a trippy moment. <laughs> yeah. Uh, currently, either personally or professionally, what is your proudest moment or achievement? Mm, seeing people that I've trained go further and go on. Yeah. Um, not going to say oh, this person, that person, but seeing one particular individual has gone on to do what they've done. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Um, other people I've trained who have gone on further and have tried, have gone to the States to do training, to continue on, to learn more. Yeah. You go, that's awesome, that's sweet, I love that. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, that's the thing when you sit there and go, hey, I remember training that person. Sure. I remember doing this or that person's gone on, uh, whether they go to, um, uh, they go to New, New Japan or they go to the Fal Dojo or they go here, go there. The, the people who have gone on beyond what you can do. Because mm -hmm. realistically, I started too late. And when I started, there wasn't the, the chance or the ability to do what you can do now. Sure, yeah. So the, the people who can go on further and, and make something of themselves in this. Booyah. Yeah. And the last question. Looking back at when you started, back in 1999, mm -hmm. starting this journey... Did you ever think at that age, looking back, looking forward and thinking at this age, did you ever think that this is where you'd be? No, I thought I would have been well done with this stuff long before. <laughs> really? Like, originally I thought, I'll give it a couple of years. Yeah. Then a couple more. And then I've been here a decade. Decade and a half. Two decades. And at some point I'm thinking, why the hell am I still here? Mm. Uh, and then, like, I've, the last two matches I've had, 
to have people turn around and go, geez, you're moving like a 20 year old in the ring. Mm. I'm like, well, I'm more than twice a 20 year old. <laughs> right. For those that don't know, I'm 45. Right. I turned 46 this year. Yep. I'm old, I'm decrepit, I'm grumpy, and I will not bump for you unless you earn it. <laughs> <laughs> Plain and simple. If, if I think you, yeah, okay, uh, you want a bump, okay, that's well, one off. Like my bump card's nearly full. Yeah. Realistically, I don't know how much longer I've got doing this. Mm. I'd, love, I'd love to be able to do, keep doing this forever because it's, it's so much fun. It is. But you can't. Your mm. body can't take it. Yep. Now, gone are the days of being in my 20s, doing a show, taking stupid bumps and landing on the floor, bouncing off a wall, hitting, bouncing off a car, and the next day you get up and go, oh, I'm a bit stiff, but I'm sweet and keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, now I found if I do a training session that's a bit hard, I can't walk the next day. Right. It's, no, that's, I do, well, I do less in the ring, but I'm also doing more. And then when, like I did that non-sanctioned max CJ, yeah. I couldn't walk properly for like two weeks. Wow. So my knees were that banged up. Yep. But at the same point, as I taught CJ. Um, I like him. Mm. He's got promise and all that. He, he can go further if he wants. And he could, uh, I think he, uh, he, he's got it and he's got like a good, my moveset and character and things like that. And I said, I, I trained him in, a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I like him. He said, I, I used to go to the gym with him all the time. Yep. But I said, no, I did, I went, did that match with him and I, I was banged up afterwards. Mm. I had bruises I didn't know I had places for. Right. Um, and the bruising, like, the bruising and the bangs and the facts and the crap, you, you take that as well it's going to happen but when you get my age the bruising lasts longer and the stiffness lasts longer and the joints don't come back to the way they were now i can't move that way anymore now, i had i've watched the match that i had the non-sanctioned one which was done kendo sticks and chairs and get thrown around and stuff like that which was well and good and fun I had bruises in places I know I didn't get hit right and it's no what the hell why am I no why is that potato Mm. I'm not explaining a potato to those who don't know (laughs) but at the same point he had potatoes and marks and stuff like that we didn't hold back on each other but at the same point we knew where the line's drawn yeah 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 so no any sort of advice to people who want to start this as as a sport or a fun or a bit of an adventure learn your fundamentals learn respect learn how to fall down yeah don't expect what you do to be an absolute amazing shit show every single time. Mm-hmm. Matches are going to suck. Opponents are going to suck. Moves are going to suck. And if you beat yourself up over it, you're not going to get anywhere. Yeah. Take the good with the bad. Yeah. 
You try your best to, as people say, don't be shit. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. I like. I like what I do. I wish I could do it forever, but that's it. I'm getting long in the tooth, and recovery time takes longer now. I take less bumps. So if you're in a match against me and I take a lot of bumps, feel fucking privileged. Because I don't do it for a lot of fucking people. Yeah. Yeah. I think, <laughs> was it the last five shows I've been in? Mm-hmm. I think I've taken eight bumps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think I took the majority there in the match against CJ. Right. Um, no, no, no. I took two against Chad, you know? I think so, yeah. Yeah. Well, man, speaking of privileges, it's honestly, in, in the 12 years that I've known you, it's a privilege to know... 12 years? Yeah, 2008. In the, in the time that I've known you, it's a privilege to uh, to have you be one of my first trainers, one of the people that first took a chance on me. And it's a complete privilege and a complete honor for 12 years later to sit across from you and not only call you a friend, but call you a brother. And I love and respect everything you've done for me and I thank you so much for coming here today and doing this podcast with me. Enjoy the drunken rambling of an old man. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, you asked, I came. Yep. You know, is it your family name? Alright, thank you so much, man. That's all good. Alright, you guys, that'll wrap it up for Ash. IPW wrestling legend Ash. Thank you all for listening to all three parts. Hey, if you haven't done so already and you're tuning in and skipping a few parts, what are you doing? Go back and listen to all three of them. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Make sure you subscribe on the socials. Little Man Big Conversation at LMBC Podcast. Next week, we have the heart and soul of IPW, Cruz. I'll see you next week. <laughs>